Well, in Joshua, chapter 5, the Lord wanted to show his people, the Israelites, his might. And he wanted to make a distinction between things that the Israelites had done and what he was doing. All right? Now, if the Israelites won a battle and they did all of the fighting, then they would be able to take the glory and they could say that, look what I did. Look at the power and might of our army. Now listen, these were slaves. Remember this. These were slaves that had just come out of Egypt. They didn't have an army. Think about that. They didn't have an army. They had been slaves for, take, listen now, 400 years. When you're a slave, you have no army. You have no say. You go where you're told. You do what you're told, or you die. Okay? And many Israelites did die under the bondage of slavery. So the Israelites, the Lord... The Lord leads his people out of Egypt, out of slavery, by the hand of Moses and his brother Aaron, and all of the plagues that God sent upon Egypt because Pharaoh would not allow them to go. Now listen, in the the Bible it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Well, that's, oh, wait a minute. Are you telling me that God hardened this guy's heart so he couldn't say, go ahead? Yeah. Well, why would God do that? Why would God pretty much plunder and destroy Egypt when he was the one that caused Pharaoh's heart to be hardened to say no to them leaving in the first place? Because he was showing his power and his might to the whole world. And he was showing his love and his mercy to those that will obey him. Okay? So now, these slaves are no longer slaves, but they don't know how to think for themselves. They don't know how to fight. They don't know how to to live together in freedom. How do we do this? They didn't know how to do that. And so here's these people... So you wonder why they were in the desert for 40 years because that was college. You understand? They were in college for 40 years learning how to trust and obey God, learning what God's demands and commands were, learning how to live in peace with each other, learning how to live at peace with God. And it was during those times that God gave them the Ten Commandments, all right? And some of those commandments are how to live together. Don't steal. Don't covet your neighbor's stuff, right? And then how to please God. You shall have no other gods before me, right? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, strength, so on, okay? And so God gives the Israelites ways to live, how he expects them to live according to him 
to live in relationship with him. He gives them commands on how to live in relationship with each other. All right? So they're learning. They're in college for 40 years in the desert, all right, where most people could not and would not live. That was their home. And they they wandered from place to place, and God was teaching them. And God was showing them his power and his might and his great love and his great mercy for his people. All right? And so this is one instance of of God showing his people. Now, the city was a, a massive city, and it had massive gates, and they were securely barred. All right. Now, I want to. I, I didn't plan. <laughs> I didn't plan on speaking on this today. So let's just read through this a little bit here to give. Let's put some context with this because without the context, it's difficult to really grasp all that we need to understand this. Okay. So let's read from um, Joshua five, thirteen through the end of chapter 5, and then we'll read in chapter 6 as well, okay? Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant. So this man was what? The angel. The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. Where, where, where do we hear that before? Moses and the burning bush. Right? Okay? So let's start reading in uh, chapter 6. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out. Nobody came in. So Jericho Jericho is fearing the Israelites because word has gotten around. Remember what we were talking about, how God was showing the whole world his power and his might, okay, and his love and his mercy. So this word is getting around past the desert all over the place. So now these people in Jericho are fearful of the Israelites. Why? Because of their God and what he had done to deliver them. All right, so the Lord said to Joshua in verse 2, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. This has not happened yet. They're walking and they're coming close to the place called Jericho, And they see its great walls. And they know that there's probably going to be some trouble coming. Okay? And this, the Lord says to them, See, I have given you Jericho, along with its king and all of its fighting men. In their eyes, they're still seeing Jericho big and huge and full of fighting men. So the Lord tells them to do some things. Verse 3 says, march around the city once with all the armed men. All right? So here's the first thing. March around the city with all of the armed men. Okay? Now, those are not necessarily soldiers, but all the armed men. 
March around once. Do this for six days straight. Okay, so the armed men are walking around the city once per day for six days. In verse 4, have seven priests carry the trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. Okay, now that's called a shofar. Have you ever heard of a shofar being blown? Any of you? Okay, some of you have. All right, there, you know, there's different lengths and stuff like that, but it's a pretty freaky sound. It's not like something that you heard before. And they blow these horns and it gets your attention really fast. And I've been in services where these things are blown and chills run through your body. And it gets your attention. All right? And so, have seven priests carry the trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. Now remember the ark is the, the ark of the covenant, if you will. And it's, it's got two poles and a, kind of a box and in, in, on it, and it carries the Ten Commandments and, and such things like that, and Aaron's um, budding um, staff and things like that, okay? Now, so have these priests walk um, carrying the, tr- the trumpets of the ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times. That's a busy day. <laughs> All right? So walk around Buffalo seven times that day. That's a long day. Now, think about this. How about if you were one of the people in Jericho? All right? You're up on these big, massive walls, and you're looking down at these Israelites. What? These people are out of their mind. What do they think they're doing? They've got no fighting uniforms. They Look at their wimpy battle Stuff. And can you, they're mocking them probably, right? They're looking down. What are they? They're walking around our city blowing these crazy trumpets, carrying some box on poles. What do they think they're going to do? But in their minds they're thinking, I've never seen this before. i never even heard of anything like this, right? So six days straight this happens. The last day, seventh day, Seven times, round the city. Round the city, okay? When you hear, okay, on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear the sound, a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Okay? So all of the armed people, the priests are now walking around the city seven times, and then the priests at the command of the Lord are going to blow these trumpets. And when you hear the trumpets, the Lord says, I want you to give a loudest shout. I want you to, a war cry, I want you to just shout. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then (laughs) the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So that gives everyone will go straight in. That gives the impression that there's going to be no obstruction, no resistance, doesn't it? They're going to go straight in. Wow. 
So there's, God is showing not only his own people, but he's showing the enemies of Israel his power and his might. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, Advance! March around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets. And the ark And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time, the trumpets were blowing, just making an incredible noise. This is not a band. This is not an orchestra. This is a bunch of people with trumpet sort of things. You can't play these things. All you can do is make one loud sound, an eerie sound. Verse 10, but Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout, then shout. So all the times they're walking around the city, they're quiet. They're quiet. Nobody's saying a word. All right. Six days, friends. And the seventh day. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to the camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Verse 13, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord, blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them. The rear guard followed while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, They marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city how many times? Seven times. In the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Mind you, the city is still standing right before them. All of its walls, all of the armies. Wow. The city. The Lord has given you the city. The Lord and all that is in it are devoted to the Lord. And there's a story within a story of how this prostitute Rahab had gotten word that The army of Israel was coming, and she knew it. She saw the spies that Joshua had sent into the city. I'm not going to dwell on this part because this is not where I feel the Lord is focusing. However, this woman saves herself and her family and maybe even a few friends by her actions in protecting the spies that came to check out the city. All right? And so because this woman did this, she saved her whole family and her whole household, even though she was a prostitute, which would be against everything that God stands for, wouldn't you think? But God saves her. God saves her because of her act of obedience and caring for God's people. Okay? 
All right, so let's go down. Um, all right, verse 20. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. The wall collapsed, friends. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with a sword every living thing in it, men, women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. And so goes the story. So what, what, is, what is the message here of the story? What is, what is the message that is being told here in this story? If God is for you, who can be against you? If God is for you, who can be against you? I would say that God was for the people of Israel, wouldn't you say? Know that God is for you. Though everything in your life may seem to go against you, and you may go from one difficult situation to another difficult situation, do you know that you are undefeatable if your trust is in the Lord? Is your trust in yourself, in your ability to get through these problems? Because if it is, you're going to fail. Is your trust in your job, in the ability that your job is going to be able to make you money to take care of all the things that you need and want in your life? Because if it is, it's going to fail you. Is your job and your, or your, your, your hope and your, your physical ability to do things, to be able to make money, to be able to provide for yourself or your family? Because I'll tell you straight up, that failed me. Fifteen years, as a young, strong man, I was unable to work. I was unable to do most of the things that a, a man needs to do. All those things were taken away from me, and I had to rely and learn to trust in God. So I ask you today to check yourself. What, what am I hoping in? Am I hoping in my family your family's going to let you down. Some point, some way, somehow, they're going to let you down. Is your hope in your government? Some way, somehow, your government is going to let you down. Is your hope in an idealistic American way of life, a democracy? Because somehow, some way, that will let you down as well. When you put your hope and your trust in something other than God himself, the Almighty, all of those things will let you down. And Jesus tells a parable, which is, is a story with a meaning behind it. He tells a parable of, and we've referenced this many times before, and, and that is a man who built his house upon the sand. Have you built the house of your life upon the sand? Have you stood on a beach before, and as the waves come in, it washes the sand out from under your feet, and so your feet, you begin to wobble like this, you have to reset yourself, because the sand is being removed out from underneath your feet. That's what happens in our lives, friends. Our jobs come and go. I'm sorry to say, loves may come and go. 
presidents will come and go. Yeah? New stuff will become old stuff. And it doesn't have the same new car smell anymore. Yeah? And you get bored with that after a while, and then you want something new. It's like life is always changing. And if your faith and your trust and your hope is not on the solid rock of Christ the Lord, then everything that you're trusting on at some point in your life is going to let you down. We're like the man that built his house upon the sand, thinking that it was a beautiful place, and boy, that does sound good, doesn't it? <laughs> right? I, I just envision this straw hut bamboo sort of a, a thing on the beach. Wouldn't that be nice, you know? And, and the palm trees, and how beautiful that would be until the winds come, and then the waves come, and the rain come. And the Bible says that the storm beat against that house and it fell with a mighty crash. But the man who builds his house upon the rock, what is the rock, friends? The rock is Jesus. But the man, the person who builds his house upon the rock will stand. Why? Those same winds are going to come. The same storm is going to come, and the same waves are going to crash against that house. But that house is going to stand. Why? What's the difference? The difference is the foundation. The difference is the foundation. What foundation have you based your life upon? Have you built your life upon anything other than Christ the Lord? Because that will fail you. It will fail you. Building your life about, upon being able to make money, being able to have a family. You know, we, we, we have a tendency to think that things are going to fulfill our lives. The next new car is going to fulfill me and make me happy. The next girlfriend or boyfriend or husband or wife I have is going to be the one to make me happy and give me fulfillment. Maybe the next job that I have is going to be the thing that really allows me to start living life. That's not going to do it. It doesn't do it. And even though we try, we fill our lives with these things, they fail us and they leave us unfulfilled and wanting something else. So what can we, how can we live our lives fulfilled? Paul talks in the Bible about living in contentment. He says, I have learned how to be content in any situation. Well, what does he mean by that? I've learned how to be content when I'm living without all the stuff that I need or want, okay? Do you know that it's possible for us to be fulfilled and happy and content even though we don't have a lot of money? The Lord taught me that. The Lord taught me that. When I couldn't work anymore, 15 years I was on disability, friends. Multiple surgeries, Cupboards full of narcotics, addiction to OxyContin, 
and you can fill in the blanks. All depression and all of these things were what I was dealing with at the time. Fifteen years worth. God taught me that as long as I held on to Him, that He's going to carry me through all these things. And here I stand before you today. Nothing to do to elevate Russ Peters. But I point you to him, the author and the perfecter of my faith. He is the one that carried me through. And I stand before you today and I tell you that what medicine and doctors could not do, even after surgery and medications, God did. God did it. And I wasn't expecting it. God did it. And to Him be all the glory and honor and praise for what He did. And it's because of Him. Friends, our lives must be built upon the rock of our salvation. Anything else is sinking sand. Anything else is sinking sand. From the moment we walked in here today, I knew that God was doing something special today. God was doing something. He wanted to laser focus. And I, I see these, you know, these laser lights, you know, and <clears throat> they're just... Just a direct line, and in my mind, I see those things. And even um, the armed forces, they use those things, or police officers and, and things like that. They use these lasers so that they can see in the night where the target is and where they're going to hit it. God is laser focusing on you today in certain areas of your life. Our lives may be filled with doubt. I don't know where my life is going. I don't have a plan. I don't. Everything that I have tried has failed. Have you ever felt like that? Everything I've tried has failed. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, there is destruction. I've done things the way that I want to do them, and all it has gotten me is pain. And where is God when we reach that point in our lives? When we say, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I've got no purpose. I've got no plan. My plan for five years from today looks exactly like today. God wants to use you. God has placed things in your life for you to use to glorify Him. God wants to have relationship with you, but He's not going to bust down the door of your heart in order to get in. The Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He who opens the door to me I will come in, and we will sit down, and we will sup together. We will eat together. And that just creates this, 
beautiful picture of us sitting down with the Son of Man, Jesus Christ the Lord, and peace. And he brings peace to our lives. Do you need peace in your life? And I don't, I'm not talking about peace that you have when you get something you want. or I'm talking real fulfillment and peace and joy that in the midst of any situation, it remains the same. Why? Because God has brought it. And only he can give it. The kind of peace that only comes from God. That only he can give. Are the walls of Jericho in your marriage? Are the walls of Jericho in your own life, in in your own ability to live your daily life? Are the walls of Jericho in your job situation? Are the walls of Jericho in your health? Are the walls of Jericho in your ministry or your family? God wants to crumble those walls before you, just like he was showing the Israelites. They didn't lay a hand on that wall, did they? But what did they do? They obeyed. Obedience is key. Are you walking in obedience to the Lord? Okay? That doesn't mean that we're perfect and without fail. God knows that. He knows we're human. He knows that we are dust, the Bible says. Okay? But if we walk in obedience to God, we allow Him entrance into our lives in order that He may bless us, Amen. And that he would use us to bring glory to him, that we would find fulfillment in him. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Sometimes we feel like that, don't we? God, why does it seem like you're against me all the time? Why does it seem like everything I do, every plan that I ever make, just goes right down the toilet? Why? Why does it seem like you are against me? Sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? But friends, if we are walking in obedience to God, we can know without a doubt that anything and everything that we go through will have a purpose. Romans 8.28. Anybody know that scripture? <laughs> All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And that scripture that I began to say, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Plans to give you hope and a future. Wow. Friends, God is on your side. You just got to let him be there. You got to let him be there. And you got to obey his commands. If You know what? If we're 
If we walk in disobedience to God, if we're not obeying his commands, we tie his hands, in a sense, in his ability to bless things, to bless us. Don't tie his hands. We've got to submit to him. We've got to relinquish our control. We sang the song today, I surrender all that I am, all that I have, all that I ever hope to be, I surrender it to you. That's where victory is, friends. And it seems as though when you're surrendering, you're waving the white flag, I give up. How can there be victory in surrender? It's not the same. It's they're contradictory. How can there be victory in surrender? Well, I'll tell you, when you surrender everything to the Lord, he is able to pick you up and to put you on the path to victory. He's able to use any tears that you have cried for his glory. He's able to use any suffering that you have ever gone through for his own glory. He's able to use the gifts that he has given you for his glory and your fulfillment. Isn't that funny how when we use, we serve others with things that God has gifted us with, that we get the blessing. It's all around. They're getting blessed. We're getting blessed. God's getting blessed. There's fulfillment in that, friends. Would you stand with me today? I wonder if there will ever come a day when I cease trembling before God and bringing His Word to His people. I wonder if that day will ever come. I, I can prepare, but I submit to God. And I know that he will use me if I submit to him. And so today is just another example of me moving out of God's way so that he can speak to the body. I don't ever want to be in the way. I don't ever want to stick to my plans because I'm sure of those. I don't want to get in the way of what God wants to speak to you. There are some people here today that needed to hear this. Need to know that God has his sights on you. And he's waiting. He's waiting with open arms to receive you and to begin work, to begin healing, to begin making you into the person you were destined to be. Have you ever thought about that? God has a plan for you. God loves you. He's got a plan for you and he wants to bless you and he wants to build you up. He wants to lift you up from the place that you are and he wants to make you a conqueror, a believer to somebody that is confident in their steps not that they're confident in themselves, but they're confident in who you are in Christ the Lord. 
as he fulfills his plan and his purpose in your lives. Friends, that is worth more than anything. It's worth more than any money. It's worth more than any recognition or notoriety. Knowing you are where God wants you to be is fulfilling. Well, you say, what about, what about this? What about that? My job? What about my love life? What about this? And you can fill in all the blanks. And what about all these things, Lord? I, I, what am I going to do? Don't worry about that stuff. He'll take care of that. He'll take care of that. The Bible says in Matthew, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you as well. Seek him first. You keep him first on your priority list. All that other stuff is going to take its place. And he's going to work it all out for your benefit. We're going to sing a song. I want you to be brave today. I want you to be brave. I want you to step out from the place that you're sitting. And if God is calling you, if you feel that this message has spoken to you, God's laser focus has been on you today. Come forward. Surrender to him. Why would you leave here today the same way you came in? It doesn't make sense. Don't do that. God wants to help you. He's knocking at the door of your heart. Will you let him in? Young and old, it doesn't matter. God wants to work in your life. You are destined. Destined. You have a destiny for your life. God has his name all over it, all over it. Submit to him. Allow him to bless you. Allow him to bring fruit from your lives. As a tree produces fruit, he wants to produce fruit, spiritual fruit in your life.